Today, I'm talking to Dennis Carvajal in Miami and South Florida with one Sotheby's International Realty. Dennis is an agent consistently selling not just multi-million dollar homes, but multi $10 million homes. He is one of the youngest members of the Master Brokers Forum and additional prestigious broker forums, national and international. Dennis is as genuine, caring, and authentic as they come and representing some of the most expensive. Let me pause. He's not just representing them. He's selling some of the most expensive homes the market has to offer. Dennis and I talk about how to be a killer at selling multi-million dollar homes. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. All right, everybody. It's the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. And today we have on the show, Dennis Carvajal with One Sotheby's in Miami, Florida. Dennis, it's awesome to see you. Hey, Jerry. Great to see you too. So everybody, Dennis was on the show before. It was about, of course, we, I don't remember the number. We had it. We've been working on getting together for a long time, but we'll share the interview with you. But this guy is a rock star. He's the most engaging, fun, kindest, has a new baby, by the way. Or she's had a baby. She's like one now. She's going to be two next week. Two. See? Like, where does the time go? I know. Tell me about it. So you are like, you see this guy like so lovable and he is the biggest killer badass, like one of the best (laughs) in the country. Forget Miami. So we're going to talk for a minute about how you did it. Um, but welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Good to see you. Um, so Dennis, give us just a little revisit on who you are, how you got into business and, and what your story is landing as a real estate agent. Yeah. So, um, so I'm 38. I've been doing it since I'm about 19 or 20 years old. Um, I started out, I was working in the mailroom of one of the biggest law firms in Miami and kind of realized that, you know, I was never going to go to law school um, and had a, a background with the family in, in real estate. They were in commercial real estate or they are in commercial real estate. So I just decided to go get my real estate license. And uh, I went, I took the class, did the test. And, you know, long story short, I ended up working at um, a boutique uh, firm back then. Uh, high-end firm. And I just, you know, I was 20 years old and I basically just asked the owner of the company if I could um, do open houses for them. And so they basically would give me the keys to um, their houses that were at the time, which was, you know, what, 18 years ago, they were two and a half million dollar houses, four and a half million dollar houses. And I'd sit in them all weekend and just open them. Wow. And so, yeah. And yeah, and so I started doing that and um, just kind of meeting people and seeing people. And um, and then from there, I think I was there maybe three years. And then that's when my De La Vega decided to do her own thing uh, and open up her boutique, you know, uh, office. So I went with her and we were, I think we were that company for maybe two years or three years until we became the Sotheby's brand. 
Wow. So you came, come, so you came into real estate at a really young age. Was that a challenge? Being 19 and opening $4 million houses? Well, it was, it was a challenge. It was definitely a challenge because, um, you know, the market, I knew I wanted to be in, in the high end homes. And so it was a challenge because, you know, I remember when I got my first listing by myself, you know, back then it was, I was probably 20 years old and, uh, it was a two and a half million dollar house. And I remember that people would come to see it and I'd open the door and everybody would go, are you the realtor's assistant? And I'd be like, no, I'm not the agent. Um, so it was a challenge. It was a challenge because of my age. Um, you know, I just had to work harder and show people that I was knowledgeable and that I was trustworthy. And, um, and you know, that, that part was a little bit of a battle, but you know, back then it was just, it was fun. It was, it was really enjoyable and, and learning from everybody that was doing it before me. And it was, it was an incredible experience. So what it was, what, 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 was the biggest challenge you overcame being young? Was it breaking into the industry? Was it being taken seriously? What would you say it was if you could wrap it up in one sentence? You know, I think it was a combination. I think it was a combination of breaking into the market that I wanted to be in and, and you know, and, and the age, gaining people's trust, not from an honesty standpoint, but from a, from a knowledge and, and an effective standpoint, right? Um, showing people that this... 20, 22, 24, 25 year old kid could get the job done for them just as good, if not better as somebody had been in the business for 20 years. Um, how, how did, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. How did you do that? Cause trust is the, what do you, what is the biggest thing <laughs> somebody when they're selling their, you know, now you're, you've had listings that you, you get to remind me, but we're talking like 50 million, 20 million, yeah. 15 yeah. million. I mean, 15, 20 is not unusual. Um, trust is up there. You know, one of my biggest things is in the listing presentation, for example, kind of going along with what you're saying is, you know, I always try and make people feel comfortable and, and make sure that they trust me. And, you know, to me, I think those are two of the biggest elements um, and keys to success. Right. Um, I think that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people lose sight of the fact that our clients, this is, in most cases, this is the, their biggest asset. I mean, this is, you know, this is a big deal for people. I mean, selling your home and figuring out where you're going to move your family and, and lay your head at night and, and, and make memories with all your family, you know, that's, that's a big deal for people. And I think we've kind of become immune to it because we just we do it every day and we deal with it so much. Um, but for most people, it's stressful. So I really try and make people feel comfortable um, and, and, and show them that, you know, hey, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm knowledgeable. Um, most of the times for listing presentations, I don't, I don't take a lot of things with me. I mean, I just make sure that I know the market and that I can just kind of spitball everything and information just off the top of my head. Um, and I think when people see that, and that was the biggest thing when I was starting out doing open houses, you know, I was 20 years old, nobody knew me and people would come into these open houses and I'd start talking about the neighborhood and the market and who lived where and when they bought and how big and what they paid. And people were blown away. But you know, if, if, if you're not going to be one of those people that's 20 years in with a half a billion dollars of, of sales or a billion dollars of sales, you know, you have to show them why you have to give them a reason to go with you and give you a chance. Cause that's what they're doing. They're giving you a chance at that point. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I knew that early on. And so, you know, I made sure that I knew what I was doing. And the other key thing that I did was, you know, I learned early on that there's, there's, 
there's no, there's, it's very tough to be successful in this business, at least the success that I was thinking, if you don't check your ego at the door. And so, um, I wasn't greedy and I knew that if I got an in or I got a lead for a big listing and I maybe didn't have the track record or the experience where I was going up against somebody that was just, let's call it far more qualified than I was. I didn't have any reservations of bringing in somebody from the company that had that same, you know, experience or track record or background. So there were times back then that, you know, when we were the boutique company, uh, when my was still selling, you know, I'd call her and say, Hey, will you come with me to list this listing presentation? You know, and, and, and I didn't have a problem sharing with people, you know, because I knew that it was what would get me the listing once I got in the door. Yeah. So a couple of things in there, breaking into the, breaking into the market where you are now, you, you, you know, your experience was you're an agent that's 20 years old and younger. I think you got an 18 or 19. Was I got into like 19. Right. 19 years old. I can't even imagine being that focused at 19 and 19 years old, you're a real estate agent in a 4 million, 2 million, 3 million, multi-million dollar property. And they open the door. And that is a big challenge to overcome because the immediate assumption is this guy can't do it. Um, and you could have just said, maybe you're right. Cause they know they have more money and they have more experience and they bought a house like this before and I have it and I can't, what kept you from believing that? Um, you know, I just, I, I knew what I wanted and I just, I didn't give up and I was having fun with it. And we, you know, I didn't, I was 19, I was living at home. I didn't really have a lot of responsibilities. So if I didn't make a whole lot of money the first year or two or three, it wasn't really a big deal. Um, but I knew that while most of my friends were in college and they were, you know, studying during the week and going out and having a good time and going out on the boat on the weekends, I knew that I wasn't going to have that luxury. I knew that I was going to have to grind. Um, <laughs> Can, what, what, so, cause your buddies are in college and you're a real estate agent. Why that choice? You know, I was always a hard worker, but I was never a good student. You know, it's funny. It's like, I tell people even, even today with, with certain deals we look at or whatever. And I tell people, I know what I know. And I know what I don't know. I knew I was a hard worker and, 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 you know, I knew that I wasn't a good student. Check your ego at the door. And by the way, know what you don't know, know what you know, and know what you don't know. So going into it, a couple of things you said in winning the trust and winning the clients were, or winning the clients was they got to be comfortable. They've got to be able to trust you. And at a young age, they've just got to see what you know in an open house where they've got questions about the market. I mean, what a great opportunity to engage, to build rapport and, and showcase what you know, because they're not going to exactly be calling you for it. And that right. was 20 years ago. I don't think we had Facebook. No, we didn't. We definitely didn't. I don't think we had YouTube either where you could just like put it out there. I mean, I, we weren't even, people weren't texting back then either. That's right. If you think about it. I don't think I, when I first started, we weren't like, you know, we weren't texting and, and stuff like that. You know, it was, that came, that didn't, didn't come far after it maybe started three, four five years after. Exactly. So now you're in it. Tell us a little bit about what it looks like today. What does it look like today? Well, no day is the same. That's for sure. Uh, and today's interesting because you know, we're in a hot market, right? I mean, we've just got so many people that are that are relocating to Miami from the West Coast and the Northeast that, um, you know, it's been, it's, been, it's been a wild ride so far. I mean, we, you know, last year it was like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the beginning of a pandemic, I should say. Everything is just shut down. 
Nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, realtors around town, I'm having conversations with people uh, saying, what do you think? And, and we're kind of exchanging ideas and, and, um, and you know, what we're all thinking and thoughts. And, and um, I had people telling me this was in end of March, beginning of April saying, we're not closing another deal till November. This is horrible. You know, we're going down. I mean, people were just being so negative and, you know, lo and behold, mid April, we close a $30 million deal. Yeah. And, uh, and then it just kind of snowballed and you start hearing all these people from New York and, and, uh, and the West coast coming over. So now we're at a point where, um, you know, I've, I've got like the, the best clients that I think I've ever had both local and, uh, people coming into town and we just, there, there's not inventory to sell. I mean, it's wild. Wow. So it's, it's, you know, we're working a lot. Um, we're trying to find stuff for people. We're trying to make deals happen. And, and it's been, it was an amazing year last year. And I think this year is going to be another great year. Um, so what, did, what did last year look like? Volume, sales prices, all that just in your business and in Miami. And what is it going to look like this year? So Miami, you know, Miami saw a lot of records broken in certain areas. Um, you know, homes and neighborhoods where they would typically struggle to get, you know, 15, 20 million bucks, all of a sudden in a nine month period, you had five or six sales over 20 million bucks and three of them over 30. Wow. Yeah. That's like, that's really like at the end of the day, those numbers might end up being like doubling the average sales price in a $15 million neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty wild. I mean, now I think you're seeing, you know, and, and a lot of trophy assets and just high big numbers um big numbers we're seeing you know people that are coming in from out of town and they're just you know they're spending 20 million 30 million 40 million um so it's pretty it's it's an exciting time to be an agent in miami i'll tell you that especially in our world wow tell us a little bit about your your don't obviously you don't tell us about your clients that's discreet i mean but but your your what is the picture of your client typically look like what kind of deals are you typically representing and what are you best at so, um, a lot of what I do is, is mainly like local clients. We've, I mean, I'm working with probably right now, I'd say four or five buyers from out of town, um, ranging anywhere from 3 million to 50 or 60 million. Um, you know, a lot of what I do has been primarily single family homes and primarily waterfront. Um, I don't know what the exact number was. I think our average, I think the, my average sale price last year was somewhere like around five, six or five, eight. I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we typically, I mean, our listings typically are anywhere from, you know, let's say two and a half million, anywhere up to 40 or 50. Right. I let you say that, like you're talking about like, you know, you know 40 or 50 million. Like, hmm. when you were 19 that wasn't and not that you're not incredibly passionate about what you do in people that is the one thing of many things that you nail is people um thank you I mean anybody that knows you knows that so in working with clients you you're talking about some really valuable property like you said really important assets we talked a little bit before the interview because we've been talking and talking and finally we're here but some really important things to know you said, a quote you is managing conversation, managing expectations and having co- tough conversations. Is there anything else we should know about, about you know, in, in tapping into what those two things mean to you? But before we do that, is there anything else other than managing conversations and ha- managing expectations, having tough conversations? 
Well, I think I think the third element to that is, you know, something that we touched on in the beginning is making people feel comfortable. You know, yeah. I think the biggest mistake, you know, you never want people to kind of, it's funny, people joke about it, but you never want them to smell commission breath, right? And, you know, one of my big things is, you know, I've never been pushy. Um, and maybe at times that's a fault, right? But my styles, I've never been pushy. And so... I always harp on trying to make people feel comfortable. And I think especially at that level, most people don't want to feel like they're being pushed and being sold, right? They want to know that you're in it for them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I tell people, I, I go into a listing pitch and, 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 you know, they bring up other agents. And I tell them, I go, listen, if you're, if you're interviewing me, you're probably interviewing two or three other great agents. And, the truth is I've got relationships, great relationships with all of them. I mean, every closing we have, we send the closing gift to the agent on the other side. Um, great advice right there. Yeah. You know, you, you, people don't realize your biggest clients are other agents. And so that this concept of the competition and like them being the enemy, that's, that's mistaken. Um, and I tell people, I said, you know, you're probably interviewing uh, realtor A, realtor B and me, and we're all great. We're all great. We've all gotten to where we are because we work hard. We all do a lot of the same things. But at the end of the day, I think you need to go with who you feel comfortable with and who you feel like is going to go to bat for you. And more times than not, it resonates with people when I tell them that. And, you know, they, they feel comfortable. Yeah. And I, I tell people, I'm like, listen, and it's never happened to me yet to this day. But I tell people, listen, if you're not happy with the job we're doing and you want to cancel the listing early, cancel the listing early. I don't want to keep anybody tied to me that doesn't want to be with me. And I think people, when they hear that, they kind of feel like, you know what, this guy's for real. And they start kind of seeing that, you know, I am looking out for them. Um, so I think making people feel comfortable is, is, is huge in that sense. And then the other thing is, you know, I always tell people, I may not always tell you what you want to hear, but I'm always going to tell you what you need to hear. And I think it's interesting because in the really high end market, when you're talking about those big numbers, sometimes you get sellers that you know, they're really successful, powerful people and they kind of want to feel like they're in the driver's seat. But if they're hiring you, I think you kind of need to set the expectation that they're hiring you for you to be in the driver's seat, right? And for you to kind of take the ship and, and steer the ship and tell them how it's going to be and what's going to happen. And, and, and they need to trust you to do it the way you know to be successful. Um, so I think having those difficult conversations and not being afraid to tell people that yeah. is, is key because I can't tell you how many conversations I have with sellers when I'm coming in as a second agent and I'll say, well, what's the feedback that they gave you of why it hasn't sold? And they'll say, no, we don't, they don't give us feedback. They don't tell us that now they tell us the showings all went well or, or whatnot. And they obviously didn't all go well if you've had a listing for a year and it didn't sell. So, you know, I find that a lot of people are afraid to tell people that, you know, the buyer didn't like their taste in, you know, the way they did their kitchen or, you know, whatever you're lacking a bedroom upstairs or whatever the case may be. You can't be afraid to tell people that. I mean, they need to hear those things if you're going to do right by them. So here's a question. So this is to everybody. We're talking about really the three things you in, in, in real estate and being in the industry is number one, you've got to, you've got to feel comfortable and feeling comfortable. They trust you and know, you know, your stuff. Number one, number two, having difficult conversations Having those difficult conversations, you know, I think when you're newer or things are tense, really 
I'm on, when things are tense, how do you break through? Because people can easily get tense and kind of you become the enemy. How do you diffuse that? What are some examples of any situations you can might share with us or things you've learned? You know, it's tough. It's tough for me to answer. I think people just need to know that you're being yeah. real with them. Yeah. You know, I think people need to know that you're being real with them. And at the end of the day, you know, the numbers don't lie. Right. I mean, it's, 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 it, it, it's one of those things that it's kind of like, it is what it is. Right. I mean, if, if you're comparing two comparable properties and the one next to you sold for 13 and yours is comparable, but you want 20, like something's not adding up. You right. know what I mean? Right. So, you know, but, but I think really it's, it's from the beginning, just kind of letting people know that you're being honest with them and showing that from the beginning and the good times. And the bad times. That from the beginning, they don't question, Oh, wait, I knew this guy was too good to be true. Or what he told me he could do was too good to be true. No, so that's the worst thing you can do. And that's so common. It's so tempting, I think, for a lot of agents because they feel like it's so hard to get into the business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because you see a lot of cases where agents will take listings um, at high numbers because they just want to lock up the listing and get it. And I, and I face that a lot. And I tell people, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll interview and there'll be another agent and they'll tell them a higher price. And I, and I know what they're doing and we might be, and we're giving them a real price and I'll tell them, look, I'm not telling you what you want to hear. I'm telling you what you need to hear. You know what I mean? My, my job is, is, is to sell the property for you and, and expand the reach and not where people you. are going to see it. Yeah. Expand the reach and not hurt you by listening for too high, which really also goes into, that's the difficult conversations leading into managing expectations. I think I always say, I want to do like a, like, you know, on the, like on a prescription, you've got like warning, like seller, these are side effects, right? Symptoms you may experience, know they're normal, like it happens. Yeah. So, like that's not really, um, yeah. what's yours? You know, I, and, and, and I'll tell you, um, you, you, I tell people all the time, you can't, um, the overpricing thing, ultimately what's going to drive traffic to the property is pricing. Yeah. You can, you can market the property as much as you want, the best videos, the best photography, spend as much as you want on magazines, newspapers, whatever you want. But if it's too overpriced, you're not going to get the traffic that you, that, that you need. And ultimately what's going to generate activity is traffic. And a lot of times people overprice and they end up leaving money on the table. Yeah. That yeah. happens more times than not. Do you have sellers not get that? Or how do you make sure the sellers understand overpricing means less money at the end, lower price at the end of the day? You know, um, it's funny because you get a lot of people that their their mentality is, well, let's price it high because people can always make an offer and we can come down. Yeah. And I just kind of go back and speak to experiences where, you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily work out like that. And I tell them, you know, we price it high and and you're not going to get the traffic that you want. And you know, in a market that's active, you know, pricing it right might actually get you more money than you thought because there's so much activity and pent up demand that people want to get it and they'll pay a little more just to get it and get it done. Um, yeah. But when you overprice it, especially in a hot market, people start to question, well, why hasn't that sold? There's so much demand and, you know, there's got to be something wrong with that. And why are so many people turning it away? And you're always going to end up losing money or yeah. leaving money on the table, I should say, not losing money. Exactly. Do you, have you ever taken, do most of your clients get that? Um, or how do you determine when you're going to work with somebody? Do you ever go into an interview going, maybe I, do you ever ask yourself, do I want to work with this person and turn business down? I have, 
Um, I'm not going to say it's happened a lot. Um, I'm not going to say it's happened a lot, but I can think of one case in particular about probably two years ago that I went for an interview. No, maybe more, maybe three years ago, I went for an interview for a listing and the gentleman had had it listed with two other agents before walked the property, got the tour. And the guy said, I'm not selling my house for less than 11 million bucks. And we had gone back and forth and talked about the numbers and whatnot. And I said, well, you know, in a nice way, I basically was like, look, I mean, with all due respect, I just, I don't think I'm the guy for you because I know that I can't deliver that for you. And it ended up selling a year and a half later for, I think six or six and a half. Wow. No more. I'm sorry. Like two years later. Yeah. Do you ever have, now I'm just, just agent to agent. Sometimes I have these experiences and I look back and I really feel, I really, as an agent, almost feel like I wish I could have done something to to tell that seller, no, really, like, like I wish, you know, I don't say a wish, I'm actually working on that. Is, is, is that situation you see it coming? Sometimes you can't, you can't stop it. It happens because at the end of the day, it hurts that person's well-being, it hurts their family. It hurts, a, it affects their life. We're here once, as far as we know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do you ever just go, God, how can I like, you sometimes you just get it. What is the what is the Mother Teresa help those who you can, or know the difference, or right? As far as as far as what as far as you mean, um, no, just, like just for example, a seller getting them to see seller. that they're wrong. Yeah, just to see that that yeah. I mean, I hate even to say you're wrong. Maybe that's my issue. Is like, look, just see reality because it's it's if we're going to get you where you want to be. This is reality. I'm here to help. You know, there's always going to be, if there's one thing, it, one of the many things that you learn in life is you're never going to make everybody happy. Right. Um, you're never going to make everybody happy. And, you know, you can't live your life worrying about that. I mean, you do the best you can. But, um, you know, in that case, it was somebody who they didn't care about the comps. They didn't care what any broker said. He yeah. just thought that because his house was nice, that it was worth twice what everybody else's was worth. And it doesn't work like that. You know that. So, um, there's certain people that unfortunately they can't be convinced. And, you know, if there's one, one of the many things that I've learned is you're not going to win them all. Um, yeah. And what the serenity prayer, that's it. Or maybe it's, let me know the deals I can win, know the ones I can't know how to know the difference or know the yeah. people I can help know those I can, yeah. and you know, the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a time gives you a good gauge for that one. Oh yeah. An experience. Oh yeah. So Big time. we're going to do a quick review and some final three to get us out of here. Cause we're doing a quick, but really informative interview. Thank you. Is on breaking into the business. It was gaining trust and making sure that people know what you know, which is making people really number one, help make sure people feel comfortable, which means they need to trust you. They know you've got their back. And they need to know that you know your stuff. And number two is being willing to have the tough conversations you need to hear. You tell them not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And that they know that that's, that they know that. And that goes into managing expectations. Is this is the market? This is what it is. If we're going to do this, this is the price to have. If we don't, this is what's going to happen. And anything else about managing, because when you go in, you know, every, every, it's like, what is it? It's like the American Idol. You go in, you're going to win. And then you get into it and there are all the bumps in the road you didn't know. Because we sell houses how many a year? Many. Sellers sell one maybe on average every seven years. Right. Right. Absolutely. So 
any other advice on managing those expectations before we go into the final three questions? You know, not really. I think that's, I think that's it. I mean, you think you just have to be upfront with people and honest with people and, and, you know, especially at that level, like just be real with people. Don't try and give them the runaround. People need to know that you're being real with them. So we had a short clip last week of Michael Carucci and he was talking about working with high network people. And he's like, you need to establish authority and it was authority and whatever, but it was like, you need to establish, you know, like we're talking about now and he goes, and you can't bullshit them. It's true. Just do, and he says it to just don't bullshit them. You know, you know what, the, you know what the reasoning behind that is because, you know, Unfortunately, anybody, you know, there's a perception with most people in sales. Um, there's a lot of people that maybe they kind of have that perception where they'll, they, they kind of have their guard up a little bit. And so um, he's absolutely right. I mean, and, and, and people at the level that we've all been dealing with, you know, especially a guy like Michael Carucci, you know, if you try and bullshit those people, they're going to know and they're not going to want to work with you. Nobody wants to deal with that. They want people that are going to be authentic and real and and, and it's a breath of fresh air when they feel like they're dealing with somebody authentic and real that's really going to watch out for them. Exactly. And that's really, I mean, the higher the price point, the higher net, the net worth, I just, you know, everybody's like, I got to work harder and make that presentation better. You got to make yourself better. I think it's a Jim Rohn. A Jim Rohn is quoted for saying, if you want vaster wealth or if you want, if you want, if you want to reach bigger goals, you got to work on being a bigger person, a better yep. person yep. who you are. So final three questions. I have to say this, like you could tell we're both busy agents. We're like doing stuff and talking, but this is still good stuff, everybody. So we're both doing it. It's so, for everybody could see the video, like we're friends from a long that's, time. That's we're awesome. Engaged. We're also like doing our stuff, but we're in it because we know what we're talking about. We know one another. It's not our first time at the rodeo together. Right, exactly. Okay, so this is the so our final three, which you've had before, you may not remember, but question number one, and I think I asked this differently now because it's been a hundred something episodes since our, our interview, but um, what is your best resource in your success of your business? What do you mean my best resource in my the success of I my love business? It, most people don't know what I mean, and most people yeah. just come up with something. What do you yeah. think? Is your, what is your best tool on being successful? Is it an assistant? Is it a CRM? Is it a way that you network? Is it a event you hold? Is it a marketing piece you do? Is it a website? Is it where you generate leads? So I think, um, I think definitely there's a couple things. I think my, it's hard for me to pinpoint one, but I think, you know, my assistant's been a lifesaver and a game changer for me. Um, just knowing that I have that support and she's never failed me. Um, but I think all of the characteristics that we've kind of talked about today yeah. have led to successes and those successes have, have led to happy clients and referrals and so on. You know, at the core of our business, it's a relationship business yeah. and, and it's that social interaction. And, uh, and so I would probably have to say that, I'm sorry. That is your gift. Yeah. I would say, I would say probably that. I've got to share a story for everybody. And then we're going to do the last two. Um, when we first met, we were on a panel together in your market in Miami and everybody introduced stages. So he was like, yeah, great. We're glad you're here. And then Dennis in his own market amongst his quote competition, because notice early in the interview, he noted how important it is that people love you 
not just your clients, but the other agents. And they said, Dennis, and it was like, now it's Dennis Carvalho. Oh, and it was like the whole room was like, I'm like, these people love this guy, but that is you. Like we had Daniel Hyder on the show the other day. And he's like, I make, I want people because I love people and I want them to love me. And I mean, that's you. Um, next question. I want you to elaborate, but I know we both got stuff to get to. Do you have anything to add to that before I ask you the last two? No, I think, look, I've been with a great, I've been with a great company for, I don't know, what's it been? Uh, God, it's been 11 years now. No, it's been 13 years now, I think, since, since we became Sotheby's. Wow. Um, You know, we've grown to be like a family and, you know, anybody who's in that office, whether we're in the same market or not, I mean, you know, I'm a big collaborator, you know, as you are, I mean, we, yeah, we're, we're cut from the same cloth in that sense. And, you know, I love working with people and, and collaborating with people and, you know, asking people for advice and giving advice where I can, you know, and I think we learn something new every day. And so, you know, I'm blessed that I get along with everybody there and, and, uh, and oh. I love everybody there. And, you know, I think most of them love me back. So I'm very blessed in that sense. All right. Two more questions. We're going to knock these out. Um, book, you got to give us a book. What is your book that we got to read so we can learn some more about Dennis's success? So, so I'm not, so I'm not a big reader. I think we talked about this last time. And no. I think last time I was doing never, I think last time I was doing never split the difference on the audio book. Believe it or not, it was Go good. Ahead. Believe yeah. it or not, what, what I'm, what I just finished listening to now is, um, Bill Iger's book, Ride of a Lifetime. Oh, Ride of a Lifetime. What was your big yeah. takeaway? Um, God, I really, I honestly can't pinpoint one. Um, I thought it was a great book. It was interesting because it's, it kind of talks about his whole career and his path from when he started at ABC up until now, you know, running Disney, um, uh, which has just grown in such an insane way, uh, wow. over the last 10 years under his leadership. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, it was a pretty good read or for me, it was a good listen. All right. And last question. What's the one thing that we should remember from our conversation if we forget everything else? I'm sorry? One thing we should remember from you in this conversation if we forget everything else. Uh, you know, I think it's um, I, I think it's a couple key things. Uh, check your ego at the door and um, know what you know and know what you don't know. Oh, check your ego at the door. Know what you know. Know your stuff and know what you don't know. Dennis, you rock. Thank you. Awesome to see you. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. If you like this episode, please share it with friends. To find more episodes, search Jerry Metcalf podcast on any platform for podcasts or go to jerrymetcalfpodcast.com. That's J-E-R-E. M-E-T-C-A-L-F podcast.com.